Every 68 seconds, someone in America is sexually assaulted. I am one of those people, and maybe you are too. If you're anything like me, you have burning questions, shame, guilt, and maybe fear weighing down on you at all hours of the day. Whether something terrible happened to you yesterday or 40 years ago, we all deal with the lasting effects of abuse and trauma of all kinds. To my fellow survivors, thank you for being here. Thank you for being courageous enough to just listen. To those who know a survivor, thank you for being willing to learn. To my listeners who aren't either of those things, thank you for supporting us by listening and learning. Every podcast episode I record has the possibility of being difficult for some of my listeners to hear, so be easy on yourself. Pick a time and place that suits you best, and don't be afraid to pause something and come back later when you found the courage to do so. I love you all, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Let's dive in. What's up, friends? It's Courtney with Every 68 Seconds. It feels like it's been weeks since I recorded an episode. I don't know why. I know it's only been a week, but it feels like forever. Um, Yeah, last week just maybe went by slowly. I'm not sure. But if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we talked about how to spot a narcissist. And it kind of goes pretty well into this week's episode. Um, and And I'm going to be talking about spiritual abuse and kind of asking the question, have you been spiritually abused before? Um, Some people might not even realize that they've been spiritually abused, and some people might not even know what that is. Um, And the reason I say it relates back to last week's episode is because, although I couldn't find any specific statistics on this, I would argue that most people that enter into a spiritual abuser um, role are pretty much going to be narcissists. <laughs> um, I, I would say that's honestly my opinion. Of course, I don't have statistics to back that up, but because of my experience with it, I would just say, um, most of them, if not all of them are probably narcissistic in some kind of way. But anyways, um, this subject is actually pretty difficult for me to talk about You would think that my sexual abuse would be more difficult for me to talk about, but the spiritual abuse that I experienced honestly is harder to talk about because it underlied everything that I experienced from emotional to um, verbal to uh, sexual abuse. So all those different kinds of abuses that I experienced had this like spiritual undertone from my abuser and I look back now of course and I think that um, the way that he was able to get to me for lack of better phrase I guess uh, is because of this spiritual like mentor mentee relationship that we had and so this subject in general is very hard and it's been one of the hardest things to overcome and the reason I'm even talking about it honestly now is because I'm I've made very large strides in overcoming this um spiritual abuse like PSD PTSD hello um but yeah I just I've been making a lot of improvements in my own self and my spiritual journey and all that stuff um 
in the last few months. And so I feel pretty comfortable talking about it now, even though it is harder. But yeah, I want to kind of go over what spiritual abuse even is because it's kind of like weird. It's it's almost like it's a sect of each. There's like, there's a way that you can use all the different kinds of abuse, but in a spiritual way. And that's what I've obviously realized through my own experience, but also reading a little bit about it. So it's hard to put a strict definition on spiritual abuse because there's honestly just now being this like interest into spiritual abuse. And so people are just now um, like investigating into it and trying to define it in real time as they're, you know, learning more about how it manifests and what happens when it does. But um, from, it's actually funny, I found a WebMD website or, you know, webpage about this, which I never thought I would find this on WebMD. But obviously this is going to be a very like secular kind of um, answer and hopefully less biased, I guess. But anyways, This says that spiritual abuse is any attempt to exert power and control over someone using religion, faith, or beliefs that can also, that can all be spiritual abuse. So this can happen either in a religious organization or a personal relationship. And the reason I kind of italicize that with my voice, that last part is because I kind of thought at first my experience couldn't be spiritual abuse because it was just me and one person and we didn't go to the same church or anything like that. Um, we weren't part of like a church together or anything. Um, and it wasn't like me and a bunch of people being abused by a pastor or something. And that's what I always thought religious abuse was or spiritual abuse was is like, Oh, a cult leader and, and, and the cult, you know? <laughs> um, but my experience was obviously just me and one other person. And this kind of lays out the idea that spiritual abuse can either be within an organization um, or the organization, or it can be within a personal relationship. Um, It's not limited to one religion, denomination, or group of people. It can happen in any religious group and can have elements of child abuse, elder abuse, and even domestic violence. So within domestic violence, it can be a concern across all relationships um, of all ages, genders, socioeconomic classes, ethnic groups, and locations. And I want to obviously explain all that because sometimes in my head, I think of like specific religions or specific groups of people that might, um, I don't know, have spiritual abuse occur more, but it really does happen across all religions, all people groups all over the world, I'm sure. Um, and abuse itself is obviously a pattern where one individual uses fear, intimidation, violence, or other forms of harm to control another person. And it can cause serious trauma and have a significant impact on somebody's mental health, obviously. Um, so yeah, there's actually different types of like spiritual abuse And the first one that they lay out is religious abuse. So it's using actual, you know, religious texts or religious beliefs to control somebody. And this can take place, you know, with a religious leader of like a church or something using scripture or beliefs to coerce the members of the organization. But it can also happen between two people. Um, 
And this might manifest as the religious leader using scripture or beliefs to hum humiliate or embarrass you. Um, the leader coercing you into giving money or other resources that you don't want to give, but obviously using those beliefs to convince you to do it. Uh, being forced to be intimate with that leader, religious leader, or have sex that you did not want to engage in or any kind of, you know, sexual um, act. And then also to make you feel pressured or obligated to do things against your will, just anything in general, pretty much. Um, and this, obviously, when I read this, like, I think a lot of, like, cults and stuff where, um, you know, there's one cult leader and they're making or coercing their members to donate money or you know give up their life and follow the cult leader and things like that and that can all be um spiritual or you know religious abuse specifically so there's also they outlined spiritual abuse at home and so this is kind of it's not a, a specific religious leader that's engaging in this religious abuse it's actually it can actually be like between two partners at home and it can be like a facet of domestic violence so there's obviously what we think of when we think of domestic violence we think of like physical violence like hitting kicking slapping things like that but obviously with domestic violence there's also these facets of psychological and emotional abuse and this can actually um, include or kind of be a facet of spiritual abuse. So shaming or making fun of or ridiculing the victim's religious beliefs or practices, preventing them from practicing their religion, or that that abuser might actually use the beliefs to manipulate or bully the victim. They might demand that the children be raised with or without a certain religion, and they can use religious texts or beliefs to justify other kinds of abuse, so physical, sexual, and financial abuse. Um, <clears throat> and I would say this this probably happens more so where the, the man of the relationship is um, the abuser and the, the, the woman or female is the victim. I would say that's probably, you know, more likely... Um, I don't have stats on that, but that's just my assumption, honestly. But yeah, this happens in, I'm sure, a lot of different places in the world and um, with within a lot of different religions as well. I would say, obviously, for me, honestly, it feels kind of like a mix of the two, like the religious abuse and then the spiritual abuse at home. Not that I was in a relationship with this person, but we had a in my mind more of like a mentorship relationship and he felt kind of like that spiritual leader to me where I looked up to him and I thought that what he said was right and like I trusted his word on things that were that were related to religion and for us our religion that we shared in common was Christianity so obviously there's so many different religions where abuse can occur, but that's, that's my personal experience. And that's why I'll be sharing, you know, mostly about that tonight. Cause that's my experience tonight, today, whatever I'm recording this the night before, like I always do. So LOL. Um, anyways, so yeah, obviously within spiritual abuse, there's just so many different, um, things that can happen, but normally with the abuser there's this kind of initiation of control so how this i'm gonna 
kind of take you guys through how it really happens. So there's this initiation into this like orbit of control around this certain person, whether it's a religious leader or just, you know, the abuser in a relationship of some kind. And pretty much they are normally like a, you know, charismatic figure um, around which this relationship or the church or whatever organization revolves. And they normally have this, you know, special authority of some kind. And so for my experience, my abuser, I, I believed that he had this kind of authority. I don't like to use that word very much, but it is true. Like I did think that he had this authority and like this just knowledge of, um, of the religion that we shared. And I trusted him to have, you know, all these things in his mind that were correct. He would read scripture to me and whatever. And, and any, anything that he said, pretty much, I believe that it was true. So he had this certain authority over me. Um, but this can happen in any situation, obviously. And so normally with this initiation of control, there is this kind of honeymoon phase where there's flattery and, um, involving the victims in, you know, um, in the relationship, like uh, the abuser will normally make sure that they're very interested in the victim and, and they, they make the victims feel very special in a lot of different ways, especially in this spiritual sense or this religious sense. Um, and so normally it's pretty hard to spot it at first because you don't really realize it until later. <laughs> um, so Move the, the kind of the second thing that happens within this relationship, um, I guess you would call it, is when this honeymoon phase kind of takes a turn, and normally it's kind of this moment of resistance, like the the follower or the victim of the abuse starts to question or resist, um, you know, either an experience that they had with the abuser or a belief or some kind of value that's held by the leader and taught to or, you know, forced upon the victim. Um, and this normally leads to this, you know, agitated reaction or um, uh, extreme, like normally like an extreme reaction from the abuser or the leader because they're trying to assert control over the victim again. And normally there's a lot of shaming language used and it's often very spiritualized. So in my experience, I do remember there being some instances where I was a little confused because I, I should probably share a little bit. I grew up in the church my whole life and it was a Christian church. It was Baptist. It wasn't very like normally people hear Baptist and they're like, oh, wow, it was probably super strict. And honestly, it wasn't very strict honestly like we had female pastors which is not normal or typical in baptist churches which i think is really cool um but that's just one way that we are a little bit different from most baptist church churches anyways though i grew up in the church i loved going to church i went like twice a week um all, all the way up until college once i went to college i definitely kind of fell away from my relationship with god um, within my Christian religion, and I honestly, like, the four years that I was at college, it just got less and less, like, I was, like, focusing more on other things, like, worldly things, like, alcohol, and 
friendships and my own strength to get me through college and get me through classes. And I definitely didn't have this relationship with God that I do have now, which I'll touch on later. But um, just kind of set that tone. Like I did have some knowledge of obviously like my religion. I grew up in it. But I would say that I wasn't super confident in my knowledge about things. And I didn't have this like, I didn't have like Bible verses memorized and all this stuff like a lot of people do. And this is one thing that my abuser definitely had was this knowledge of what the Bible said. And that's one thing that I'm going to touch on is just the fact that just because somebody knows what the Bible says does not mean that they're actually, you know, a follower of like a true follower of that religion and doesn't mean that they really truly understand it um, for what it is. But I obviously didn't know that when in my experience. So there was times where I would question, you know, something that he said, and it was very minimal, of course, because I didn't feel like I really could question him. But the times that I did, it was definitely this kind of backlash that would happen. And it was like, you know, him whipping out some Bible verses or like using um, things that I had done in my life that he assumed that I had done that were against Christianity or whatever, like sinful things that he would use to kind of put me in my place, you know, um, to control me further. And so even though I did try to, you know, question him on some, some instances, he pretty much, you know, got back at me with this like pretty, extreme reaction to assert his control over me again, which then made me feel like I had even less a say in our, you know, spiritual relationship, I guess you could say. So he also, this something else in this article that I'm reading is that leaders of this spiritual abuse will often emphasize the followers inexperience and incompetence within their religion. And that's something he definitely did for me is just pretty much telling me that I wasn't a good Christian or who even knows what that means. But I, he, he thought I wasn't a good Christian and I did all these things that were sinful and I, I was living in sin and I, all of the things. I didn't know my Bible and etc. So that is something that he definitely used against me to further gain this control over me and make me feel even more so that I needed his help, which was like, a really, I think that was a very key part of the spiritual abuse was like, I got to a point where I literally believed that I had to like listen to him and there was nothing I could say that was correct. And I needed his input to understand my religion, if that makes sense. Um, and so then there's this recommitment and even further submission to the authority. And that's exactly what that the uh the abuser wants obviously and as soon as you know that um control has been reasserted the person being abused will be re-embraced and there's like this second almost honeymoon phase where they're like showered with this acceptance and love all of a sudden but then there's a cycle of course and that's that's something that's very key within abuse in general is that there there should be some kind of cycle where it's like um, the abuse is like, there's a honeymoon phase, then there's abuse. And then there's this, this kind of pulling away of the victim, trying to maybe separate and figure out what's going on. Um, maybe even trying to attempt to leave. And then the abuser obviously 
reasserts this control in some some kind of way by either shaming them or whatever they have to do and then there's this other there's another like showering of acceptance and all this stuff and then there's abuse again so it's like this constant um this cycle that happens um and yeah so there's (laughs) unfortunately a lot of these situations end very terribly like within cult situations I'm sure a lot of you have heard of like the very famous um, uh, cults in the past that, and I, famous is like a terrible, probably infamous is a better word where not famous for a good reason, but just cults in the past that have been created and then the cult leader and all the members kill themselves or, and that's why, where the whole Kool-Aid thing came from. Um, If you don't know what that is, just Google cult and Kool-Aid. I'm sure you, I'm sure it'll pop up. But obviously a lot of these, you know, spiritually abusive or religiously abusive relationships end really terribly. Um, But there's also times where the victim leaves the situation and or at least gets gets away from it somehow. And a lot of times that unfortunately um, culminates into this disappointed departure um, which is something that they explain in this article that I'm reading. And because, I mean, it's because of this, you know, emotional and psychological harm that we experience in spiritual abuse. There's so much that goes into it. Not only for me, was it like this, this religion that I had believed my entire life, like as long as I could remember, it ended up being the source or the reason that I was hurt in the, the worst way I've ever been hurt in my life. You know, like it was... I, I, I knew after everything happened, of course, and I, and I was finally able to remove myself from the situation, from the abuse, I realized underlying every single abuse that I experienced with this man, it was spiritual. It was this like misuse of Christian beliefs, ideologies, texts, you know, Bible texts, whatever to, you know, successfully abuse me. And so of course, I'm going to have all of this trauma around this certain religion, you know? And so after everything happened, like I did not open my Bible. I didn't talk about, like I couldn't even go to church. I couldn't read the Bible. I couldn't listen to people talk about it. When worship songs would come on, like I would literally feel sick to my stomach. (laughs) I would like, it just made me just so, I I just would cringe, like feel so sick and disgusted, um, just from the mere thought or mention or song about Christianity, especially if it, if it was like a song that he would listen to or tell me to listen to, or if it was like a certain pastor that he would, um, listen to. Um, and on top of that, another, experience from that trauma that I had was and I still deal with this actually now um one of the things that he would like abuse me with I'm not even sure the exact term I should use but one of the things that he would drill into me is this idea that there are so many false teachers out there and false like songs like worship songs that I need to be really wary of like if I listen to that song and it's not biblically correct like the lyrics then I shouldn't be listening to it and if I do then I'm supporting like demonic 
um, I don't even know. I'm basically supporting like evil. <laughs> and then same with like pastors who are not really f abiding by like biblical teachings and stuff like that. If I listen, listen to them or support them in any kind of way, then like that's me supporting Satan or whatever. And I'm not, and I'm like directly offending God. And then I'm not going to heaven pretty much. Um, and there was like towards the end of our like spiritual relationship. And this was a, over the course of about eight months, I, he pretty much told me like, you aren't going to heaven. And you like, for all these reasons, you're not really a believer. You're not really saved. And I would have to talk to you guys for like three hours to tell you everything that, um, was told to me or, um, explain every single spiritual abuse situation that I experienced, obviously. And I'm not going to do that, but, um, yeah, within all of those eight months. And then at the end, he basically just told me like, you're too sinful. You have done all these things. You don't really believe, um, you listen to this music, you, you know, all these reasons why I wasn't going to heaven. And, I, and I'm and I'm sorry for anyone that's listening to this who isn't a Christian and like maybe you don't follow a religion or you follow a different one. I, I, I don't mean to like only talk about Christianity, of course. I know that spiritual abuse happens in so many different ways, but obviously I'm just speaking from my own experience. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of heaven and I'm sure you've heard of a lot of different Christian beliefs, obviously. But all of these things, hindsight 2020, like didn't make any freaking sense. And... Like he had no authority of telling me any of that. No spiritual leader has authority to tell you like, oh, you because you did this, you're not going to heaven because you did this. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's not how it works in our, at least in Christianity. And um, that's like something between me and God, right? But in my mind over those eight months, I pretty much, it was almost like he became like God in my life. It was so weird. And so from all of that, I... I know I went back, like kind of backwards there. It's, it's just difficult to stay on track with this, I guess. But, um, after my abuse with all of that, I couldn't even like listen to sermons without picking apart every single word that the pastor would say. Same with songs too. Like if I would listen to a worship song, I'd be like, okay, well, I need to look up the lyrics because if the lyrics aren't biblically sound, then this is actually supporting Satan and like, like stuff like that, which I'm like, I've never believed that before, but over eight months, this man like made me believe this stuff, you know, it's just crazy uh, how it changed my mentality. And this literally like two and a half years later, I'm still dealing a little bit with that, with all of that stuff. And it wasn't until a few months ago, actually, that I have finally kind of re-entered this Christian religion, if you will. And I don't even really like the word religion very much. Personally, I have this relationship with God, with my creator that I believe in. And that's what I prefer to call it, especially because I feel like he was so all about religion and that's probably what caused him to be in this like position of control, I guess, over me. I don't know all of the reasons why, of course, I don't know what the heck was going on in his head. But like I said last week, I do think he was a narcissist and I, and that's one thing that I think 
spiritual abusers have in common is this like feeling of narcissism and believing that they, you know, have the upper hand and they know all things and they're better than everybody else and, you know, elitist, if you will, um, and they don't take critique well and all that stuff. You know, that's all stuff that spiritual abusers and narcissists have in common, I think. So anyways, I don't want to go forever on this, but I, this, the reason I really wanted to go over this is because it's something that people who aren't religious will use spiritual abuse as a reason to not be involved in religion. And I understand that, especially because a lot of them, a lot of people who are against religion in their lives right now, they've experienced spiritual abuse. And I was against religion for two and a half years after mine. And I and that's a huge change from somebody who grew up in the church went to this church when she was four years old, me, and continued going to that same church until she was 18 years old. So 14 years of, you know, believing all these things and loving it, truly, to have wanting to have nothing to do with Christianity for two and a half years. Like, literally nothing. I didn't pray, I didn't read my Bible, didn't listen to sermons, didn't go to church, I actually still haven't gone to church since then, um, pretty much. But that's something I'm working on. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's people who will use spiritual abuse as an excuse, you know, to not involve themselves in religion, which I get. But can I say that maybe you're being a little nearsighted because doesn't every group out there, like literally every group out there has somebody who messed up and I shouldn't even say messed up because abuse is so much more serious than messed up but you know has an evil person who acts out and um maybe maybe tarnishes the name a little bit of that group of people but it doesn't mean the whole group of people is the same as that person right and I and one thing that my husband actually brought up as a kind of an analogy with this was like police officers um you know there's some police officers who do terrible things and doesn't mean that all police officers are terrible and bad and that we just shouldn't have police officers, right? Like it means that all humans are human and they have evil within them, you know, like, and, and, and as a Christian, I believe that we have this sinful nature within us and we're always fighting against this like desire to be moral, but also the fact that we have evil within us, right? That's dying to act out, I guess. Um, and so, and that's obviously like a really just short answer. And it's not even like an answer really to people who are so against religion because of their experience with spiritual abuse or just because they've, they know somebody who's have had, who has had that experience. Um, but as somebody who did have experience with spiritual abuse and is finding her way back into religion, I can say that there is hope for you if you have experienced spiritual abuse. And when I, so I wanted to kind of tell you guys how I even got back into this <laughs> um, and how I'm even able to talk really about this openly and not, you know, have a freaking mental breakdown pretty much. But a few months ago, I don't remember the month actually, it's kind of sad. I think it was like two or three months ago. A friend of me and Daniel, 
who is awesome and is my best friend currently at this time, he gave me, and Daniel actually, I think, or maybe he, he was going to give it to Daniel, but he ended up giving it to me because I was like, oh, I'll read that. He gave me a book called Mere Christianity, and I would highly recommend it to anybody, not even just Christians out there, but also if you're ever curious about what and why people, like what Christianity is and why people believe it, I would highly recommend you read this book because it's not this like, oh, frilly, God is love and blah, you know, like it's not like that. And which is why I responded to it so well, because it was like almost like a, an argumentative paper, you know, like you had to write those in school where you have to argue this certain point and, you know, you have to, um, point out the counter arguments and talk about why you, you are arguing this certain stance on something. And basically this man, C.S. Lewis, who you've probably heard of, uh, he, during World War II, I think it was, it was either one or two, can't remember. Uh, but it was during one of the world, one of the world wars and he was in Britain and he was, he was basically, this whole book is the transcripts of his radio show that he was broadcasting across the whole nation. Um, and it was all about Christianity in this terrible time, like in this time of evil and death and war, you know, all these terrible things going on. And this book is just the whole kind of transcripts of that, but he goes into, all of the things like he argues so logically about why he believes that God exists, why he believes Christianity is the, um, what's the right word for this, but the, the, the most correct religion, I guess, which I'm afraid to even say that on here. But anyways, he goes into all this stuff and it's the first time that I'd ever read anything like that. Like I've always been told my whole life, oh, Christianity is the, the best religion and, um, God is real and he created you and all this stuff. But I didn't really like, I didn't like, if somebody asked me why I believe that or how I know that it's true, I'd be like, um, I don't know. (laughs) And honestly, maybe if I knew some answers to that stuff, like I wouldn't have fallen into this spiritually abusive relationship. And it's not that I'm like blaming my, my, you know, three years ago self for not knowing more, but just, you know, hindsight 2020, like these are the things I wish I knew before, um, when I was in this spiritually abusive relationship or before that ever happened. So anyways, got this book from a friend. I read through it in like two weeks. It's not a super easy read, but I was so obsessed with it. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And I feel like I finally understand this religion that I've been like involved in my, my entire life. Like I, cause I thought that I had this, you know, understanding of it. And I think, and I really do think I had this relationship with God, my creator, but I didn't always understand it super well, I guess. And I didn't, I don't know. I just, I just had this new, like logical understanding and there was no like emotions involved, which is why I, I loved it so much. And it was the perfect, it was literally the perfect way for me to get back into this like Christian world because every other way that I could have tried to like worshiping or just listening to worship music or praying or going to church or talking to somebody about it would have been so emotional. And like, I didn't want the emotions. I did. I just couldn't deal with that. It was just too much. Right. So anyways, the book was awesome. Then 
the same friend invited my husband and I to um, a Bible study, like fellowship thing um, that happens every week. And I was very hesitant about it, but I, I had this desire deep down within me that I wanted to go, but I was fighting against it because, and, and I had all these kind of things in my mind, like keeping me from going and keeping me from wanting to go. Um, but I, I remember that night very vividly because we went golfing all of us together beforehand. We got there and I was standing outside next to my car and the whole drive from like the golf, which actually the golf, the golf course was literally like eight minutes to this Bible study house. Um, but I, the whole entire drive, I was like trying not to have a panic attack, like, or I guess you would say an anxiety attack. Um, literally like I was trying so hard not to just have a breakdown. Then I got out of the car and I guess our friend noticed that I was like, not okay. Cause he was like, Oh, like, are you okay? And I just started, I just like started crying. I, was, I broke down. I was like, dude, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. Like, and I'd already been freaking out beforehand. And he had said like, you don't have, even if you get there and you don't want to go in, like, that's fine. Just the step that you even got there is, is big enough. So finally went, um, well actually he, he talked with me a little bit about it and I, he asked me why I didn't want to go in. And a big reason was I don't want to go in there pretending like I have it all together and pretending like I'm this perfect Christian, like <laughs> that is all super involved in Christianity and like, you know, whatever my relationship with God. Cause I wasn't like, that was for like very far from the truth at the time. And I just, I don't know. I just felt like when I walk in that house, it's like, me saying, oh, hey, fellow Christians, like, I'm just like you. And I didn't feel that way at all. So I didn't want to go in for that reason. And he reassured me that nobody was going to think that about me and that um, I didn't have to, like, put on this front, you know? Like, that's what I felt like I had to do was, like, put on this pretend thing that I was just like everyone else and all this stuff. And he just reassured me that that's not how it was. And Um, I also had this kind of underlying fear of like, I can't trust any of these people. Like I was abused by somebody that called himself a Christian. Like, how do I trust these people? Um, anyways, though, he ended up praying for me. We went in anyways, and I had such a great night. It was really awesome and nothing like I thought it would be. Since then, I've been so much more involved in, you know, my relationship with God, um, obviously within Christianity again, I still feel weird talking about this on my podcast because I never really thought that I would talk about Christianity on my podcast because I want it to be very like for anyone, right? Like I don't want to like scare anyone away. But if I'm talking about spiritual abuse, I really do have to talk about the religion that was used against me, right? And and I also am talking to you guys about how I've overcome the abuse that I've experienced and it happens to be within Christianity, of course. So um, yeah, <laughs> there's so much more I could probably talk about. I don't even know how to end this because it was very like, I just knew I had to talk about this today, but I didn't know exactly how. And I was very, I was honestly super nervous and anxious to talk about this all day. Like I didn't, I probably procrastinated a lot on it because I didn't, I almost like didn't want to, but I did, you know? Um, but I guess to like end this, I just want people to know that spiritual abuse is a thing. It's real. It's super um, hurtful. It's very 
serious and it causes deep, deep wounds. And I, like all the things that did happen to me, like they had this undertone of spiritual abuse, like I already mentioned. Um, And I know that so many of the people listening to this, it's possible that you experienced spiritual abuse and maybe didn't even realize it or you did realize it and now you're at a, a place where you've just rejected that religion or spiritual practice or whatever it is because you were hurt by somebody that used it, you know? Um, but I just want to encourage you that just because that person used something against you doesn't mean that that thing is bad, right? Like, and I've, and I know that that's, like, if somebody told me that a year ago, I'd be like, okay, whatever, dude, like, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I was hurt by that religion. I was hurt, I was hurt because of it, you know? Um, but I just, honestly, like, I almost want to just tell you, like, if you've experienced that, or you, um, are just realizing that you have experienced it, like, please talk to me because I have been there. Like literally everything that happened to me, like I blamed it almost on Christianity when I, when in reality it was that person that I obviously should have been blaming. And I, and I blamed him too, of course, but it was like, I was punishing, you know, the religion itself when it's more so the person, um, that hurt me. And, I've just found so much, like I, for the last like two and a half years before all this, obviously, um, before Christianity has come back into my life, it was just so dark. Like it was just so, I, I just had no direction. I, well, like when I look back, I thought that I was happy. I thought that I had everything all together, but I really didn't. Like it was just so, I just had all this anxiety all the time not that I don't deal with anxiety now but it was just anxious anxiety all the time I was so lonely like I literally had no friends dude like none and because I've gotten back into my you know relationship with God and all that stuff like I have new friends I I go to Bible study every week and I get to just be with people who really care about me and like actually want to know about my life and would never hurt me, you know, like, it's just so few and far between that you find somebody, um, within religion that is, like, out to hurt you kind of thing, like, obviously, we're all human, and so we're bound to hurt each other in some kind of way, but not in the way that I was abused, right, like, it's just not as common, um, as people might think, so I've just seen such a change in my life since kind of recommitting myself to, this relationship with the God that I believe in. And I just can't imagine keeping on with my life and like moving forward with things in my life that I desire without that relationship because I really was just not happy. I was searching for this like love and acceptance and um, safety, but I wasn't finding it anywhere. Like and of course I wasn't, you know, um, I just wasn't finding it in anyone else, but after, you know, time after time of trying to put my faith in a person, a human who's going to hurt me eventually, I 
ended up instead finally putting my faith into God, um, the creator that I believe, you know, created me for a purpose. And on top of all of that, I, I started this podcast like right after I had gotten back involved in within a Bible study and had, you know, regained this relationship, I guess, or started to pursue this relationship with God again. And it made me realize, dude, like God is the person who put this on my heart to like, well, I don't know when this was probably two years ago or a year and a half ago, put this podcast on my heart. And I think there's a reason not because I'm supposed to like evangelize on my podcast, but he knows the hurt that I experienced from somebody that he also created, but just, you know, he had evil within him and he didn't fight against that evil. And unfortunately he was consumed by that evil. And another crazy thing to say is because of my relationship with God, I've been able to find forgiveness for this person that hurt me immensely. And gosh, this podcast is going so long. I'm so sorry, but I just can't stop talking about this. Like actually though, this is so important. I don't think that I would ever have for, like found forgiveness or, you know, given this forgiveness to this person. And even though he doesn't know that I've forgiven him, like who cares? I know that I've forgiven him for what he did to me. And I don't think I would ever have found that forgiveness for him if it weren't for this belief that I have in God and in good things. Like I, I've always been a little bit of a pessimist my whole life, but within this relationship I have with, with Jesus and God, and I, I, I feel weird talking about the, the terms. I don't know what y'all believe, but, um, but seriously, like, I just don't think I would have ever found this forgiveness for him if it weren't for finding God again and letting him heal me, honestly. Like, I I was working on this healing journey, which I talk about all the time on the podcast. I was, like, going through this healing journey and, you know, I was making some progress. And, and I know God was there with me, but I wasn't really paying attention. I really wasn't. Like, I was just like he's probably there, but like, you know, this happened to me and this guy, you know, hurt me because of you. So I'm just going to ignore you pretty much. But he was carrying me through the entire way. I just didn't even realize it until a couple of months ago. Like he has taken this terrible, terrible thing that happened to me and made something great and amazing from it, which is, I think this podcast is, I think that this podcast is the way that God has, I mean, there's other ways too, but I think this podcast specifically is one of the ways that God has brought goodness from something absolutely terrible in my life. And I sure as heck would not be sitting here with you on this podcast and talking so hopefully without him. Like seriously, I don't think I would be so hopeful about my future and um, so able to forgive the person that hurt me so much if it weren't for this relationship. So anyways, I don't know why I just went off on that tangent. It was so long, but I just felt it was needed and it just kind of flew out of me. So yeah, um, <laughs> I hope that y'all could relate 
to, to this in some kind of way, um, or maybe you know somebody that needs to hear a little bit more about, you know, what spiritual abuse is and how um, I overcame my own abuse. And if any of you have experienced it, I hope that you would like talk to me about it. Like honestly, any of the things that I um, chat about in these podcast episodes, I am open to talk about any of them with any of you you know, hop in my DMs on Instagram or text me if you have my number and I'd love to chat with you and like, just like whatever questions you have or whatever you want to talk to me about, like it'll be between us. And, um, yeah, I just, I really do care about the people that listen to this and I hope that this episode has been, you know, eye opening and, um, hopefully has helped somebody you know, at least one person, if some, if one person has found, you know, some help from this episode, then I did my job. Um, but yeah, I promise that next week's episode isn't going to be all about God and religion and all this stuff. (laughs) It'll be about something else. Um, and if this wasn't your cup of tea, it's okay. I'm not offended at all. And I hope that you'll still come back and listen later on like next week and in the future. But anyways, thanks for listening. And I hope to um, see you guys. I never know what to say. Hopefully y'all will listen next week. And if you got through this whole thing, thank you because wow, it was super long and I will never make one this long ever again, unless it's an interview because those go longer. But yeah, good night y'all. Hello, hello, it's me again. Uh, I wanted to just end this with a request from y'all. First of all, I would really appreciate some suggestions for future episode topics. I'd love to hear about what you would love to hear from me. And also, I'd really, really, really appreciate if you could share this on your social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Um, share this because I know there's people out there who are just like you that could really benefit from listening to this kind of podcast. Uh, Another thing I would really appreciate is if you guys could go on to Apple Podcasts and if you loved this episode and are excited to hear more from me, you could just put a review on there. Um, I would just really appreciate that because it would show Apple that you know, I have a listening and people are interested in what I have to share. So yeah, thank you guys so much and I'll see you next week.